Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.15 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 20th day of Spooktober 2023, and this is episode 812 of Bitcoin, and shit's breaking loose all over the place. Bonds are on fire. The Middle East is on fire. Everything's on fire. We've got some stuff about lightning that we need to get into at the very end of the show. There's There's an issue. All right, there's an issue that you need to be aware of. But I don't cover that until I'm not going to cover that until like getting in into the end of the show because it's a whole thing on its own. Should you be scared? No. Should you be unaware? No. You should be aware. You should be aware of what's going on. That's why I'm going to tell you about it. But don't freak out. Okay. Just don't do that. First, first, first. Well, though, we're going to get into this Argentine CBDC, David Atlee, Coin Telegraph, Argentine. Central Bank to introduce digital peso bill as soon as possible. Oh, joy. After a series of remarks about the potential benefits of the central bank digital currency for the national economy, the Central Bank of the Argentine Republic said it has accelerated its work on legislation to implement the CBDC workflow in the country. On October the 18th, during a public discussion on the Philo News Channel, Argentina Central Bank Director Juan Agustin Diatelis Noguera revealed that the Central Bank is working on the legislative framework for the digital peso CBDC project recently proposed by the Minister of Economy and presidential candidate Sergio Massa. According to Noguera, the project will be presented, quote, as soon as possible and introduced to the Congreso de la Nación Argentina, the country's parliament. The official hailed Moss's approach to the CBDC and implicitly criticized the position of another presidential candidate, Bitcoin-friendly Javier Millet, who has been publicly proclaiming the dollarization of the Argentine economy. It is not the first time Naguera has stepped in to defend the idea of a CBDC. In early October, he expressed his belief that a digital peso could help stabilize the Argentine economy as soon as 2024. In the official's opinion... The key features of the CBDC is its traceability, which would allow the government to collect taxes. On October the 2nd, Massa committed to introduce a digital peso should he win the election, aiming to address Argentina's enduring inflation issue. As per the latest election polls, Massa is marginally behind Javier Millet who advocates adopting the United States dollar as Argentina's official currency while opposing the central bank's role in the economy. All right, both these guys are fucked. No, they're fucked in their heads. I'm saying it straight up, front of the show, these guys are both stupid. Now, if you think that you're going to fix Argentina's national economy 
that has been inflated away by the mass printing of paper dollars with a CBDC that they only suggest helps its traceability, which allows the government to collect taxes better, you are out of your freaking mind. Their inflation problems, their economic woes in Argentina is directly attributable to the mass production of money that is fiat, which is not backed by anything. That's why it's fiat. It's just by decree. This is worth this thing. It's not backed by anything, but it's worth this thing. But no, 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 no. With the CBDC, what can we do now? Oh, well, we can collect taxes. So you're suggesting that by collecting more taxes because of the traceability of a CBDC and not addressing the continual mass printing of the fiat currency in the first place that you're going to fix the Argentine economy. That's where the guy number one is fucked. Where is Javier Malay fucked? The dollarization of Argentina. Do you think that the United States is just done printing money? If you think that, I have bridges to sell you in the middle of Arizona. And a lot of them. Please buy them from me for Bitcoin. That's all I'll take. Now, why do I say that? Well, in COVID, we all got checks. Do you think the El Salvadorans got any checks because they're a dollarized company or country? No, no, they didn't get any checks. We just inflated the dollar that they held. On There's nothing about this story at all in any way, shape, form, fashion that tells me that either one of these individuals, whether it's Malay or Naguera, knows what the fuck they're doing. Other than they, they, maybe they know how to steal from their countrymen. Maybe they know how to do that. But any promises that, of fixing the economy by either one of these routes is eye-wateringly naive or it's straight-up evil. But you know what? Let's, let's talk about another kind of evil altogether. Prashant Jha brings us this one from Cointelegraph. Reddit mods dumped tokens just hours before blockchain program termination. That's right. You expected it. Here it happened. Popular social network platform Reddit announced the wind down of its blockchain-based community points program on October the 17th, citing scalability issues. The announcement created controversy in the crypto community, with many calling it a rug pull, as the price of the native token on different subreddits tanked after the news was revealed. Each subreddit had its own shitcoin. For example, the Moon's Moon token was the native crypto asset of our cryptocurrency, while Bricks was the one for our Fortnite BR. Users could spend these points on badges and exclusive items for their avatars. At the time of the announcement, the moderators of the most of the subreddits involved with the community points program claimed to be unaware of the decision. However, this is now being called into question as new on-chain data suggests that at least a couple of the moderators holding moon tokens may have been linked to three wallets that dumped millions of the tokens shortly before the announcement. On-chain analysts such as Pleditor were the first to draw attention to the actions of subreddit moderator Mick Gilby. On-chain data reveals that this moderator transferred more than 100,000 moon 
over two different transactions on the Arbitrum Nova blockchain, turning it into more than $23,000 worth of Ethereum because he just doesn't know how to buy Bitcoin, I guess. The user subsequently deleted all earlier Reddit posts. That's right. In another incident, just 17 minutes before Reddit's statement, moderator, writer of the storm, allegedly shifted 345,500 moon worth over 69,000 at the time to an exchange address. The Reddit account in question has since been deactivated. According to Look On Chain, on-chain data showed that at least three of the administrators overseeing the cryptocurrency subreddit liquidated tokens some 20 to 30 minutes before the announcement went public. A statement from the Reddit moderators clarified that they received the notice about the termination of the community points programs about an hour prior, suggesting that the three moderators could have used the information to dump their token holdings. Well, of course they did. I mean, hell, even back up here at the very top of this fucking article, it started out. Where where, where did it start out? If I can find it again. Uh, Let's see here. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. Here. So at the time of the announcement, the moderators of most of the subreddits involved with the community points program claim to be unaware of the decision. Let's go back down to the bottom. A statement from the Reddit moderators clarified that they received the notice about the termination of the community points program an hour prior. So which is it, motherfucker? Did you not know that it was going to happen or did you have an hour to figure out how to get your tokens into an exchange and either sold for straight up another shit coin or whatever else was done? No, this was a rug pull. We warned everybody on Reddit that that, that their shit coins were going to get them into trouble. I've heard several stories about people saying that they've lost their money you know, they had two, I heard one guy had 200,000, 200,000 moon. Just, it's just gone. It's just gone. He didn't even get the chance to move it as far as I know. Of course, that again, he may have. You, I mean, like I said, I don't know, but he was obviously hot about it and he wasn't the only one. There was a whole bunch of other people who said they that they just felt like they got rugged. They had no warning. There was no, I mean, and even, okay, let's, let's back up and say, what happens if they did have warning? Well, at that point, that's just the whole the, the, the Reddit announcing to everybody, this shit's going to blow up, you sell your shit right now. Well, then the exact same thing was going to happen. Nobody was going to want these things. The price was going to plunge whether you got rid of them or not. So the moderators who got the word first were able to pull wealth forward from the bag holders that they were moderating for into their own pockets. Why? Because they're human beings. And many human beings have a problem. And that problem is two things. Greed and a lack of sympathy or empathy. Or both. Or both. Hold on. Something 
something weird's happening. I may have to pause for a second. It it seems to me that um, well, hold on for a second. It seems to me that I I, I need to make sure of something some some weirds going on here. There we go. It seems to me that um, I didn't see a whole bunch of people from Reddit move over into Noster. I kept seeing a bunch of posts by people that I know on Noster talking about the Reddit influx. I didn't really see it. Now, granted, I don't spend a whole lot of time over in global. And maybe that's what was going on is that a bunch of people were, I mean, I saw a couple of people come in. I saw a couple of people that I knew, you know, basically like, oh, what am I trying to say? Um, Oh, God dang it. What am I trying to say? I saw a couple of people, you know, repost notes of people from Reddit that said, well, Reddit screwed. I'm over here now. How does this work? Okay. But there was like two. Or three. I follow well over like 1,400 people. And I wasn't getting a lot of notifications of all these new people coming over from, or, or I was getting notifications, but I wasn't being shown actual people with their statements about coming over from Reddit. Now, that said, I'm not saying that it didn't happen. And I'm, not, and I'm also not saying that I'm not happy about it. I think more people should come over to Noster. And I think if you're you're listening to me and you're still not using Noster, my question is, it doesn't cost you anything to try except a little bit of your time. It's If you can sign into a website today with an email, there's no reason that you can't figure out how to gen up, you know, generate your private public key pair on any one of the Noster clients available. You can go to primal.net and you can go to nostrudel.ninja. You can go to like any one of the Adamus will do it on iOS and Amethyst will generate uh, a key pair for you on, uh, on your Google phone on, you know, any kind of Android stuff. There's no reason not to do it. It doesn't cost you anything. You don't even have to register an email. You, all you have to do is figure out a way to save your private key somewhere that you won't lose it so that you can at least figure out how this shit works and just make this assumption. Just do this. Assume you're going to lose your first private key. Just figure out it. Just use it to figure out how all this shit works. And, 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 and just assume that you're going to make a mistake and accidentally post your, your uh, secret key or your private key somewhere, and you're going to get hosed. That's okay. Just build a new one. Use your first one or two private keys that you generate, which is easy to do on any of these platforms, and just figure out how this works. Don't worry about following people. Don't worry. I mean, just go to global and look at what's going on. Maybe follow a couple of people just to get used to how all this shit works. But assume you're going to lose all that and you're going to have to make another one. Don't go into it assuming that everything's going to be fine and start building your profile and this is going to be permanent and blah, 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 blah. Because if you lose your private key, all that goes away and then you're going to get mad and go back to Reddit. And you don't want to go back to Reddit. You don't want to go back to a hate-filled jar of crap to live in. You don't want to go back to Twitter. You don't, a blue sky is a mess. The only thing that makes sense anymore is Noster. And everybody points and laughs and says nobody's using it. Well, what are they using? All I see is a great number of people chilling out in places that are not mentally fit for human beings 
to be in. It makes you sad. It makes you mad. Go to Noster. It won't make you mad or sad. Now, let's move on to FinCEN. Yay, FinCEN. FinCEN seeks to impose strict surveillance requirements onto broadly defined class of Bitcoin mixers. Yes, no bullshit Bitcoin or no BS Bitcoin.com brings it to you. The agency has proposed designating crypto mixing as an area of primary money laundering concern in order to impose certain record keeping and reporting requirements on involved transactions. The public will have 90 days to comment quote today's action underscores treasury's commitment to combating the exploitation of convertible virtual currency mixing by a broad range of illicit actors, including state-affiliated cyber actors, cyber criminals, and, of course, terrorist groups, said Deputy Secretary of the Treasury Wally Adoimo. Quote, this is FinCEN's first-ever use of the Section 311 authority to target a class of transactions of primary money laundering tokens and Just as with our efforts in the traditional financial system, Treasury will work to identify and root out the illicit use and abuse of the CVC ecosystem, said FinCEN director Andrea Gaki. FinCEN emphasizes the CVC mixing does not fully rely on the use of CVC mixers and included the following methods. (coughs) Now I'm going to pause here. What they're saying is that they want to expand the definition of coin mixing. And here it comes. Number one, pooling or aggregating CVC from multiple persons, wallets, addresses, or accounts. Two, splitting CVC for transmittal and transmitting the CVC through a series of independent transactions. Three, using programmatic or algorithmic code to coordinate, manage, or manipulate the structure of a transaction, creating and using single-use wallets, addresses, or accounts, and sending CVC through these wallets, addresses, or accounts in a series of transactions. Five, exchanging between types of CVC or other digital assets. Six, facilitating user-initiated delays in transactional activity. Quote, the lack of transparency surrounding international CVC mixing activity is an acute money laundering and national security risk, and increasing transparency in connection with this activity is a key component to denying illicit actors access to the U.S. and global financial systems. The global nature of the problem is further demonstrated by the fact that no CVC mixers are currently registered with FinCEN. CVC mixers are required to register with FinCEN if they do business as money transmitters wholly or in substantial part within the United States. If the designation is made, the Treasury Department can impose restrictions on U.S. financial firms dealing with the mixers, which range from requiring additional due diligence and special attention concerning particular account transactions among U.S. financial institutions to to prohibiting the opening or maintenance of any correspondent or payable through accounts, reported Coindesk. Finally, the FinCEN issued a notice of proposed rulemaking on Thursday. It will be open to public comment for 90 days. Now, two things. One, again, complete regulatory overreach. This 
hits everything. It If I read this right, people mining Bitcoin cannot programmatically make a transaction template or a block template because those include transactions. And not just because they include transactions, but because there's different algorithms that build different kinds of blocks. Remember the what was it there's a block constructor that's uh keeps we keep threatening to to release it as version 2 of something and I can't remember the full name of it right now but that could that literally could fall under this FinCEN bullshit. This is dangerous. I if, if this shit goes through, it's not that we're toast, it's that th- we are definitely in the then they fight you phase. But this shit, this deserves torches, pitchforks, pre-made nooses, guillotines, and the willingness to say no. Enough. This is bullshit. This is nothing but living in a prison. None of these people give a shit about your health, your wealth, your well-being, your happiness, You're seeking for a better future. They don't fucking care. If you think they do, you're not, you're beyond a statist cuck. You're literally a brain dead zombie. There's statist cucks and then there's brain dead zombies. And first you hit statist cuck where anything the state says must be good. It's okay. Taxes are fine. You know, there's no way that we'll ever misuse your your revenue to do something like bomb brown people in the nations of, you know, whose names you'll never be able to pronounce. It's just, but then, then you go beyond that. Where it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter how egregious the overstepping of the boundary is. You'll just take anything. And that's when you enter into brain dead zombie. And at that point, I, be, I, I have always known that there will be a bifurcation of the human species where we branch off from each other. There will be a slave class, the likes of which you've never seen before. Is there a slave class already? Yeah, but most of us are in the slave class, but we keep thinking that we have our foot, one foot in freedom and one foot in slavery because of taxes. That No, that shit ends. You will know and you will fully accept slavery. And then there will be the people that will literally lay down their lives for freedom. Whether it's in a violent action, a nonviolent action, a disappearing trick, I don't know. But nobody wants this. Nobody is will. I mean, well, no, nobody that is going to be on the freedom side of the bifurcation of humans wants this. They will go away. Galt's Gulch will be a very, very populated place. And then there will be the slave class that fully are aware that they're slaves. They're happy that they're slaves. They will be willing to to bring children into slavery and possibly even watch them die in slavery and be just fine with it. That's where we are. 
That's what's been created. That's what media has done over the past 70 years. Ever since the introduction of the television set into the American and basically the West's home in the 1950s and started with Leave it to Beaver and all that bullshit and the honeymooners, when that shit started, that was the beginning of the end. Only a fight is left. Who will fight? I don't know. I'm just not going, I'm just, I'm going to continue to run my lightning node. I'm going to continue to run my Bitcoin full node. Full steam ahead. Damn the torpedoes. Fuck these people. I'm fucking sick of it. And I'm sick of people like Joseph Lubin. And so are his former employees. Who's Joseph Lubin? Co-founder of Ethereum, along with his big buddy, you know, Vitalik Buterin. They, they kind of co-formed it. And there was like one other guy, basically. Joseph Lubin, yeah, co-creator of Ethereum. Former consensus AG employees take equity court case against founder Joseph Lubin to the United States. Coindesk, Amtaj Singh is writing it. A Swiss legal battle between former employees of consensus AG and its founder, Joseph Lubin, has made its way to the U.S. Now, pausing. Consensus is the overlord of Ethereum. Joseph Lubin co-founded not only Consensus, but he also co-founded Ethereum. Okay, so this is all part of the Ethereum ecosystem, even though they're not actually directly saying it in the first couple of lines. The 27 former employees who joined the company in early days claimed they were deprived of their equity after Lubin, with the help of J.P. Morgan, executed a series of corporate maneuvers transferring core assets from the original Swiss incarnation of the company into an American firm formed in 2020, according to a lawsuit filed in the Supreme Court of the state of New York on Thursday. The filing alleges Lubin, a co-founder of the Ethereum blockchain, stripped Consensus AG, also known as Mesh, of its main assets, including crypto wallet provider MetaMask, and transferred them to Consensus Software in Delaware without bringing over the ex-employees as equity holders. Quote, Lubin promised that these early employees would receive equity in Coinsensus or Consensus. Then he broke his word. In the process, he violated his legal commitments and duties. While Lubin got rich, rich plaintiffs got nothing. The filing said the Brooklyn-based firm, which develops products on Ethereum, has raised $726.7 million from investors at a valuation of more than $7 billion. But instead of equity, the former employees said they now hold virtually worthless pieces of paper. They were robbed of their expectation to share in consensus's success for their increased risk, lower salaries, and foundational efforts as early employees, the filing alleges. Quote, after two years of getting nowhere with their frivolous claims against consensus mesh in a a consensus mesh in a Swiss court, plaintiffs now believe their meritless claims stand a better chance of yielding a payday if they game U.S. courts and entangle consensus software and other unrelated parties in litigation, we fully expect that the plaintiffs, who were never employees of consensus software, will soon find this gambit is another fruitless attempt to enrich themselves from the success of others, said a company spokesperson. And a spokesperson for J.P. Morgan declined to comment on 
I guess their their uh, actions helping uh, Joseph Lubin rip off all all the people that help him get rich. This is this is fiat legacy financial bullshit at its height. That's been going on forever. Whether it's in crypto, Ethereum, doesn't matter. Banking, you know, legacy bullshit, hedge funds. It, they, all it, there are so many startups that the early employees were told one thing and didn't get it at all. You know, Joseph Lubin is no different. That's why I don't trust anything but Bitcoin. I don't trust anybody but Bitcoiners. And that does not necessarily mean that I won't be saddened by the actions of Bitcoiners. Vitalik Buterin was a Bitcoiner. uh, Who's that? Um, Ver, Roger Ver. He was a big Bitcoiner. He disappointed me. There's been like more than a handful of early Bitcoin podcasts that I listen to that I slowly listen to them get angry about Bitcoin and start talking about, God forbid, Bitcoin cash. And then they went even further all the way down that particular sewer into BSV. And those were podcasts that I really liked, hosts that I really liked. And I just watched them one by one peel off into shit coinery, unethical behavior, and just flat out lunacy. So I've been saddened by Bitcoiners before. I will be saddened by people who are self-proclaimed Bitcoiners again. And I hope that I'm not one of them. I've done my level best to make sure that I haven't fallen down any of that crap. And I still, still feel as committed to actual Bitcoin today more than I ever have been before. Just saying. Now, let's get away from Joseph Lubin and talk about another court case. The SEC has, in their infinite wisdom, dismissed their lawsuit against Ripple executives in a stunning capitulation. I don't think the SEC needed to do this because they had a good case against these idiots. But their track record in the United States courts are so bad that they literally pulled the plug on their court case against Brad Garlinghouse and Chris Larson. Check it out. The United States SEC voluntarily dismissed charges on Thursday against Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse and Executive Chairman Chris Larson, both of whom had been charged alongside the company for violating security laws with sales of the XRP token. Ripple described the decision as a stunning capitulation in a press release, while Ripple Chief Legal Officer Stuart Aldertoy called it a surrender by the SEC in a tweet. The price of, well, Ripple went up 5%, as you can imagine. Garlinghouse and Larson were first charged in late 2020, along with Ripple, for allegedly violating securities laws by offering and distributing the cryptocurrency XRP. In July, a federal judge ruled that the XRP token is not necessarily a security on its face and that Ripple's programmatic sales of XRP on exchanges were not securities offerings in a major victory for the crypto company. And earlier this month, the SEC failed to convince the same judge that the ruling should be overturned before a, finan- before a final judgment is entered in the case next spring. That's all I'm going to say about this case. That's all, because at this point, 
you know, decrypt is a shitcoin rag. Sometimes they have some good stuff about Bitcoin, which is why I bring them to you. But I guarantee you they're all the rest of this article is them going to be happy that people are going to lose their money on yet another shitcoin. That shitcoin being XRP offered as an unregistered security. But even the even now they've even got federal judges, I guess, on their payroll. I don't know. I'm not there, so I can't really say it. Take what I say with a grain of salt. But I just don't see how anybody can look at this and say, yeah, that's not a security. Oh, bullshit. Yes, it is a fucking security. It's like that's the easiest thing in the world. It is a security. And now we have federal judges who are going, I guess it's not. And now the SEC has more egg on its face. They're going to have to do something. And I don't think that they're going to be able to do that thing in court. They're going to have to do something to get in the good graces of of the general public. What could that possibly be? How could they possibly make a whole shitload of people happy? Uh, Oh, I know. A spot Bitcoin ETF. That would probably make a whole shit ton of people happy. I kind of expect the first one before 2024. Now, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. In either event, I expect a Bitcoin ETF, a spot one, to be released or or not released, but you know, to be approved by the SEC and be up and running sometime in December of 2023. If not even quicker than that, maybe even at the very end of November, but I'm I'm thinking sometime December. That's that's just what I'm saying. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's run the numbers. CNBC, Futures and Commodities. I got West Texas Intermediate. Earl is up 0.67%, Brent North Sea is just up a point to $93.29, while natural gas fell 1.72% to $2.90 per thousand, and gasoline is up a percent to $2.38 a gallon. Gold, bam! Peter Schiff is happy. He's so happy because why? Gold has broken back out just above $2,000 at 2002 with 40 cents as a tail. Silver is up 2.82% to $23.68. Platinum is up a point. Copper is down a point. Palladium is down almost a point. Ag is fully mixed. Biggest loser today is going to be cotton. Almost two points to the downside. Biggest winner is cocoa. One and a half to the upside. And they got live cattle. It's down 0.07%. Lean hogs, 2.39% to the red. Feeder cattle are also down 0.65%. Dow is down a third. The S&P is down, well, three quarters. Uh, NASDAQ is down just over a point, And the S&P mini is down a half. Bonds have lost some yields. Thank God. Not that that's really going to do anything and you know, help anybody. But even the UK gilts are down in their yields. Uh, the German government bonds, uh, the 10-year and the 20-year bond are both in the green today. So they've increased their yields. But, but, but the 30-year U.S. Treasury is yielding 5.8% or no, 5.08%. 
20 year is 5.28%, the 10 year 4.9, seven year 4.9, and the five year 4.8. So yields, while they're coming down, are still really high. Now, the DXY, 106.17 after a slight fall to the downside, 0.08%. Now, I want to show y'all this. Anybody that's like watching the uh, stream, I'm going to put this up here. A user was asking in the, um, or a listener was asking in the Boostergrams about the DXY, the dollar index, being compared against the, the fact that it's the dollar, the DXY is the dollar being compared to a basket of other foreign currencies. But he had wondered, or she had wondered, what would it look like if, it was compared to Bitcoin, but the way that I took it was the DXY compared to Bitcoin. So this is how you find that out. I go to TradingView and I get to like, I go up to my watch list, which is right over here with the little, and there's a little plus sign so that you can add tickers. I've got Bitcoin, Doge, Ethereum compared to BTC, by the way, Ethereum is not looking good compared to BTC you know, West Texas Intermediate, natural gas, 30-year bonds, stuff like that. But I can go and I can add a symbol and I can say DXY space slash. That's the divisor. You can use, I could, if I wanted to, I could use plus. I could do a summation. I could do a product by adding a, 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 a asterisk, right? So now, Now that you know that, you can put in one thing and you can divide it by another thing and we'll take it for BTC USD and we'll hit enter to add the symbol. And I've already added it. And this is the graph for since 2020. That's as far back as this graph will go go on TradingView. The DXY graphed, the dollar index graphed against the full price of Bitcoin basically has just been on the downslope. The the dollar index compared to Bitcoin has continuously decreased over time for the last three years. What does it look like beyond that? Eh, I don't know, but I'm just saying if you want to start doing like some actual other stuff with TradingView, you can literally use just straight up math. And for the variables in your equation that you want to compare, like I could I could add like West Texas Intermediate plus Brent North Sea crude price and then divide it by two to get an average of both the prices if I wanted to. That's sort of how you do that. Anyway, so I'm going to get out of there. We'll leave that and we'll go on to BitInfo charts. $29,510.91 is the price of Bitcoin after a pretty good jump today. Uh, We have 0.9 BTC as the average transaction value, but Uh, 0.013 BTC is the median. That's about 372 bucks. Block times are high, 10 minutes and 40 seconds. We got uh, 0.15 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and uh, 21 BTC taken in fees over the last 24 hours. We have a 10.5% drop in hash rate. We are back down to 410.7 exahashes per second. And your shitcoin indicator doge is back up to six United States pennies, which is nowhere close to where it had been 
when Bitcoin was at $25,000. So Bitcoin's gained 4,000 per coin. Doge has hardly gained back anything in comparison to when Doge was 6.2 United States pennies and Bitcoin was $25,000 a coin. Get it? The shit coin field is going down. Good. I hope it dies, but I know it won't. 576 Nope, $575.9 billion is the market cap of Bitcoin today. That is 4.35% of gold's market cap. And you can purchase 15 straight up ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,519,011.78 of. And 5,369.7 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $158.4 million, being run over 14,731 nodes with 63,914 payment channels that we see uh, or that we can see and 82.8% of all of that shit's being run over Tor. Now, Mempool, what is Mempool doing today? Uh, Let's find out. Uh, It looks like 95 blocks carrying 22,567 transactions waiting to clear at high priority uh, transaction values of six Satoshis per V-byte. If you want it in at low priorities, you're going to pay five Satoshis per V-byte. And anything under one and a quarter Satoshis per V-byte, you're going, uh, your transaction is going to be purged from mempools around the world. Uh, mempool.space is flashing a hash rate of 417.3. So let's just split the difference. 412 exahashes per second is what we're running on right now. That's pretty damn high and i am still number seven on fountain charts with help from letter 6173 and a striper boost says long game pro tip 401ks can be liquidated for a small penalty and redirected towards a self-custody bitcoin roth ira this is the way god's death one two three four says had to find my wallet top five i don't know what that meant Pipe Bomb with 500 says, good show. Thank you, sir. Jolly, jolly good to hear from you, sir. God's Death with 370 says, thank you, sir. Welcome back. I enjoy every show, even if they are only a few a week. I know, I'm gonna, I, I really want to do one every day. I just don't feel right when I don't do one. Pies with 100. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. God's Death finishes us out. 100 Satoshi says, fund. Let's do it. <laughs> That's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. Lightning Network sees record adoption amidst new applications. Yeah, I know. Everybody's talking about the River Report. We've been talking about the River Report all week long. Adoption increasing 1,212%, blah, blah, blah. And I love the Lightning Network, don't get me wrong. It's it's, It's great, and I use it every day. I use it every day, all day long. Because when you send me a boostagram or zap or what, you know, or well, when you send me a boostagram or you stream me Satoshi's on Fountain or another podcasting 2.0 enabled app, it's going right to my lightning node. And every time, like, like I'll get invoices for nine Satoshi's every minute. Somebody's cutting me like 42 Satoshi's every minute. And then somebody will throw me 21,000 Satoshi's. All that shit's being done through my lightning node. Or at least it's it's landing on my lightning node. So I indeed use lightning every single minute 
of every single day. Unless, of course, somebody doesn't send me a Boostergram or stream me Satoshis, in which case, you know, it's not really being used as much. But I use Lightning all everywhere else. Like I've got, you know, I've got wallets all over the place that I use to zap people on Nostr. People zap me on Nostr. So even when people aren't, you know, streaming Satoshis to my Lightning node, I'm still using the Lightning network. I've been using it every day for years. But what are we not talking about? What are we not talking about? Well, an issue has come up. Um, And it seems to be that it could be pretty bad for Lightning Network. So I'm just going to, I'm going to get into this. It gets a little technical, but you need to hear this. You cannot live with your head in the sand. Disclosure, this is no bullshit Bitcoin, by the way. Replacement cycling attacks on the Lightning Network. Quote, the end of last year, December of 2022, amid technical Technical discussions on L2 payment channels and incentives capability, or rather compatibility, of the mempool anti-denial-of-service rules, a new transaction relay jamming attack affected lightning channels was discovered. All right, so this is from Antoine Riard uh, at, or he's BTC at uh, anard.me a-r-i-a-r-d um, now let's just I want to get into the, into the actual white paper I'm going to read you his white paper it's not it's not terribly technical but it can get that way but again this is coming directly from the mouth of the guy that's taught that's talking about this recycling thing so that we can find out what the hell's going on So replacement cycling attacks on the Lightning Network, written by Antoine Riard. Abstract. The Lightning Network brings a solution to the Bitcoin's known scalability problem by introducing a network of off-chain payment channels between a restricted set of counterparties. The security of such second layer relies on the ability of participants to confirm on-chain transactions to claim at any time. This ability is critical when off-chain HTLC balances are at stake during a time-bounded period, enforced by Bitcoin script time locks. Assuming reasonable interactivity with the counterparty, unilateral closure should happen very rarely. One of the vulnerability risks identified early on is a transaction relay jamming of the unilateral broadcast of mentioned time-sensitive transactions by a counterparty with a competing interest. Such jamming is possible due to malicious interference with the propagation rules of the base layer network of Bitcoin nodes. In theory, a jamming can be maintained until expiration of the time-bounded safety period guaranteeing then that lightning packets cannot be claimed by the counterparty with an opposite interest. One practical class of transaction relay jammings is known as the pinning attacks, a technique to hinder the propagation of transactions between transaction relay network nodes by abusing default anti-denial-of-service protections. In this paper, we present a second class of transaction relay jamming attacks dubbed replacement cycling. This offensive exploitation relies on the existence of replacement as transaction fee bumping mechanisms itself. 
Replacement cycling can be considered as more concerning than pinning attacks as it can be achieved, whatever the state of network mempool's congestion. While the attack success is dependent on the timing of minor block template construction, those algorithms are mostly public and their processing can be predicted by an attacker. We argue that this replacement cycling is one of the most practical ways to steal lightning funds. So I'm not going to read the whole paper. I just wanted to bring the abstract to light. You need to keep an eye out for this thing called replacement cycling attacks on the lightning network. And it looks to me like this attack lives at the junction, the very boundary layer between on-chain Bitcoin transactions and the lightning network. Because to open a channel takes an on-chain transaction. To close a channel takes an on-chain transaction. What this appears to be to me is a way to jam up right at that interstitial layer, that boundary layer between Bitcoin and Lightning, and that's where the magic happens, right? For Lightning to work, it has to have an HTLC in play, and the only way to get one is to do an on-chain transaction to close out that HTLC, otherwise known, we can just look at it as the payment channel. When you're done with that channel, right, and you want to collect the funds from it, you've got to close that HTLC. If this jamming attack is what Antoine says it is, then we might not be able to open channels or close channels. And And he's so concerned. He's so concerned about this. And again, don't get scared. This is, we're, we're on the bleeding edge of technology here. And, and people suck. So, you know, they're going to find any possible way they can to make your life miserable. But this thing is so bad for Antoine that he's got, well, let's, let's, I'll read you this one from No BS Bitcoin before we move on. New class of replacement cycling attacks might put Lightning Network in a perilous position. Quote, there might be a lesson in terms of Bitcoin protocol development. We might have to get them right on the first try. Little second chance to fix them in flight, said developer Antoine Riard. Quote, after writing the the mail reply on the economics of sequential malicious replacement of honest HTLC timeouts, I did write one more test to verify the behavior on core mempool and it works as as expected. Responsible disclosure process has followed the lines of hardware issues affecting operating system as documented for the Linux kernel while adapted to the Bitcoin ecosystem. Quote, and this is the big one. Effective now. I'm halting my involvement with the development of the Lightning Network and its implementations, including coordinating the handling of security issues at the protocol level. I informed some senior Lightning devs in that sense before. I think this new class of replacement cycling attacks puts Lightning in a very perilous position, where only a sustainable fix can happen at the base layer. For example, adding a memory-intensive history of all-seen transactions or some consensus upgrade. Now, 
pausing to say when he says consensus upgrade, that essentially means a fork. We don't want to do that. We don't like forks. We like we like being able to have soft forks, but this looks to me like it could impose a hard fork, which means a split in the chain. He's talking about something so deep that a consensus rule has to be agreed on, and this just got found out. It took four years to get Taproot in. Four years. Now, again, I'm not going to close down my Lightning channels. I'm not going to do it, and I don't expect a whole bunch of other people to do it either. Will this attack actually be what you know Antoine is so scared of? I don't know. But when someone like Antoine says, you need to look at this, then you need to fucking look at this. Quote, deployed mitigations are worth something in the face of simple attacks, though I don't think they're stopping advanced attacker, attackers as said in the first full disclosure mail. Those types of changes are the ones necessitating the utmost transparency and buy-in of the community as a whole, and we're altering the full nodes processing requirements or the security architecture of the decentralized Bitcoin ecosystem in its integrality, I guess integral, integrality. I've never heard that word before, but integrality. On the other hand, fully explaining why such changes would be warranted for the sake of lightning and for designing them well, we might need to lay out in complete state practical and critical attacks on a 5355 public BTC ecosystem. Hard dilemma. I'll be silent on those issues on public mailing lists until the week of October the 30th. Enough material has been published and other experts are available. Then I'll be back focusing more on Bitcoin Core. Okay. So he's he's basically, this. it seems to me that what he's trying to tell people is that this is so bad that he doesn't even want to work on Lightning anymore. All right. Could it be overblown? Yes, it could be. Is it? I don't know. That's the thing. This is above my pay grade. Total admission. Right? But as I read the lay, I can read the lay of the land. This guy's been developing with Lightning for a long time. He's He's... He's not somebody to like, you know, run around and scream the sky is falling unless he's got a good damn reason. Again, not closing down my lightning node, not closing my channels. I'm going to power on. This was always hashtag reckless. And anybody who thought otherwise was lying to themselves. So be aware, be careful, be vigilant, and don't forget about recycling attacks. Recycling attacks on Lightning Network. Recycling attacks. Keep your ear to the ground for that one. Now, the Bitcoin ETF could be approved in time for Christmas, says JP Morgan. Yeah, Matt DeSalvo, Decrypt.co. JP Morgan analysts have said that Wall Street may get a long-awaited Bitcoin exchange-traded fund within months. In a Wednesday report, the top investment bank said it was most likely that a spot Bitcoin ETF could get approved before January the 10th. Analysts at Bloomberg Intelligence added that there is a 90% chance that a Bitcoin ETF will get approved in January of 2024. An ETF is an investment vehicle that tracks the value of an underlying asset. Yes, I know. A spot Bitcoin ETF doesn't yet exist in the United States, but... 
it would give investors exposure to the cryptocurrency in a safe and easy way. The SEC has approved several Bitcoin futures ETFs like ProShares uh, Bitcoin Strategy ETF, and there's been a huge interest in the products when they first launched during the bull market, but since then, eh, the interest in futures has waned. Case in point, the ProShares Fund, though first to win approval, trades on the NYSE ARCA under the BITO ticker. It accumulated more than $1 billion in investment in the first two days, but hasn't grown beyond the initial rush. It now has $902 million worth of assets under management. Investors are hungry for a spot, Bitcoin ETF experts say, but the SEC has denied applications for the product time and again, mostly citing the potential for market manipulation. Now, though, analysts are more optimistic than ever before. BlackRock, the world's biggest fund manager, applied for a Bitcoin ETF on its own, and fund manager Grayscale scored a victory against the SEC where a federal judge sided with the firm over its application to convert its flagship fund into an ETF. The SEC has a long list of applications sitting on its desk, you know. So, yeah, I'm not going to read the rest of that um, because we know all that. So now the analysts are saying that there's a 90% chance. All right, so... Those numbers, the the percentage chance numbers have been coming up and up and up and up and up, and it just they they just keep coming up. <clears throat> With the SEC basically disgorging themselves of the Brad Garlinghouse Chris Larson lawsuits, their continued losses in the federal courts in New York State. Their loss against Grayscale in general, even though Grayscale honestly wasn't really in a position, you know, because of all the chicanery that they've committed, they really weren't in as good of a position to win that court case as I thought that they were. With all this just points to the fact that the SEC, I think they're just out of dry powder, y'all. I think think they're kind of, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. If they launch any more attacks on something large, I don't think that they've got, I don't think they've got the willpower to take it through. I don't think that their lawyers over at the SEC, I don't think they want to be handed one more defeat. Cause you got to remember, man, there's real fucking people that are lawyers. This is their career. Do you think it's good for a lawyer's career to be handed their ass every single day in federal court? No, no, it's not. That that is a that's a that means you stay at the SEC forever. You don't get to go to the fancy law firm, you know, with the leatherback chairs. You're going to be sitting in the government's SEC office with cloth-bound fart-riddled upholstery for the rest of your fucking natural-born life because you've lost so many times as a lawyer. Why would Vincent and Elkins want you? Why would uh, Dewey Skinnem and Hal want your ass? Nobody's going to want these guys. They are losing too much. Something's going to give, man. Something's going to give. I actually think it's going to be before Christmas. I don't think it's going to be a late Christmas present. I think we're going to see a BlackRock spot Bitcoin ETF before Christmas 2023. That's what I'm saying. 
I'd bet on it, but I, I don't like gambling. Strike. Our good friend Jack Maller, Strike enables Bitcoin spending on everyday items with BitRefill integration. Bitcoin Magazine has this one. It's written by Bitcoin Magazine, so it's just basically an announcement. Lightning Payment App Strike has introduced a new feature that enables its users to utilize their Bitcoin for everyday necessities. This comes after the platform partnered with BitRefill to bring more practical functions to its service offerings. The notable advancement through this integration is the ability for users to purchase gift cards using their Bitcoin holdings. This means Strike app users can shop at many of their preferred stores, acquire subscriptions for streaming platforms, and conduct various online transactions. Essentially, the feature lets users spend their Bitcoin for tangible goods and services that can be enjoyed in the real world. Another significant addition through this integration is the capability to recharge mobile phones. Users in need of topping up their mobile credits or assisting someone else can now use their Bitcoin for such purposes. Additionally, the integration sheds light on the advantages of the Lightning Network. Yeah, I know. I know. I get it. I'll speak on this in a second. A technology also embraced by BitRefill. The Lightning Network stands out for its capacity to facilitate Bitcoin transactions with minimal fees coupled with extremely swift confirmation times. Lightning is a pivotal evolution in the world of digital transactions, given its efficiency and speed while being ultimately settled on Bitcoin. For users eager to explore the new features, the process is pretty straightforward. Upon accessing the Strike app, one simply selects the Shop with Lightning option. They can then either choose products or input a phone number, depending on their need. Once the amount is inputted, Payment can be made either with traditional cash or Bitcoin. A final confirmation completes the transaction. The collaboration between Strike and BitRefill has broken new ground by amplifying the usability of Bitcoin in daily life. This move is not just a testament to the growing versatility of Bitcoin, but also signifies a step forward in making BTC a practical choice for the masses. So what did we just finish talking about? Yes. The fact that there is a possible ugly-ass vulnerability called the recycling attack on the Lightning Network itself. And Jack Mallers has essentially built his entire company around Lightning, as have many other people too, by the way. Okay, this I'm not, I'm not calling these guys out. I love every single one of them. We have to be able to build on things to be able to discover what the vulnerabilities are. Sadly, this particular vulnerability is a little bit scary. And if absolutely true and starts to be utilized and there's just no way to stop it, whole companies like Strike could go down. Now, BitRefill's been around a lot longer than Strike, and they never depended on the Lightning Network in total. They do they they have Lightning now. But essentially BitRefill started as just a solid Bitcoin company and everything was done on chain. Now that they've got Lightning, they've got another way to do it. So if even if Lightning goes away, your bit refill is going to be fine. I even suspect that Strike will be able to bounce back from it if, if, if Lightning has struck a deadly blow. And my gut feeling, my gut feeling suggests that that's not going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean be stupid about it and, and keep your head in the sand and not look for what's going on with recycling attacks. But the the way that the developer community in both Bitcoin and Lightning have been over the years, if that stretches out to the future, then I can almost guarantee you that somebody somewhere is going to come up 
with a brilliant implementation of how to stop this shit, and it doesn't include a hard fork of the Bitcoin main chain. And it might not even include a soft fork of the Bitcoin main chain. Maybe, maybe it's something entirely different that we haven't seen yet. But, be that as it may, going to finish off with this one. Taproot Assets version 0.3.0 Alpha, the first main net release of this thing that we've been hearing about called Taproot Assets. This is from NoBSBitcoin.com. Today, we're excited to release the main net alpha of the Taproot Assets Daemon, providing a feature-complete developer experience for issuing, managing, and exploring stablecoins and other assets on the Bitcoin blockchain. Pausing to gag. I'm not a fan of Taproot Assets. I'm just not. But it, it is happening. You should probably know about it, so we will continue. This release also be, begins forward compatibility, which means that the protocol will not have any more breaking changes that would affect assets issued on mainnet. This mainnet release of the protocol supports on-chain functionality with lightning support coming soon. Important note, to avoid loss of funds, it is imperative that you read the operational safety guidelines before using uh, tap D on mainnet. Tap D is the is the demon that they're talking about. So what's new? You can automatically generate test vectors for the TLV encodings. Oh yeah, chain reorganization protection. Add the ability to burn assets. Okay, I'm listening to that one. Asset level coin locking and leasing. Fully implemented multiverse tree structures. New type of proof courier. Proof courier types and server addresses can now be specified. Prometheus metrics export support, added load test utility, improved universe sync, easily distinguishable between proof files and individual proofs with magic byte prefixes. So yes, again, above my pay grade, but what does Taproot Assets do? It allows shitcoinery to come to Bitcoin. Just like Ordinals has, has allowed NFTs and digital rocks to come to the Bitcoin mainnet. Now, will it be used? Do we need it? I don't think so. Honestly, the only other thing aside from Bitcoin that is that I see as having any real utility in the real world for real people at any given time is USDT, the Tether stablecoin, and USDC which I can't remember, circles, stable coin. After that, you don't need anything. And I don't even use Tether or Circle. I don't, I don't even need that. So what the hell assets are you going to put on Bitcoin main chain that's going to take, that, that, what kind of stable coin are you going to release on the Bitcoin main chain that's going to take any business away from Tether? Probably nothing. Probably nothing. Anyway, that shit's coming too, but it's going to do it for the morning roundup. It is Friday. It's also Dad Says Jokes Day. Did you hear about the two thieves who stole a calendar? They each got six months. Math dad jokes. You got to actually do some adding and subtracting for that one. Um, Okay, so 
It's going to be interesting with Taproot Assets coming out, Strike's announcement of uh, this whole, uh, Strike's announcement of their their integration of their Lightning Network with uh, BitRefill, and this whole recycling attack issue with the Lightning Network itself. Plus, what else have we got going on? Bond rates are, are they're out of control, right? You got Hamas and Jerusalem at each other, or Palestine and Jerusalem at each other's throat. Hezbollah is probably going to attack from the north. And the United States Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen assures the world that we have enough money to fight both the Ukraine war and now a separate Middle East war. Even though, as far as I know, Janet Yellen has never been in the military. She's never been at the Pentagon and been part of the strategic team that figures out how much this shit's going to cost. Yet, 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 she assures me that we have enough money to fight both these wars. Why are we fighting the Jerusalem-Palestinian war? Because we just have to spend money. That's the thing. This is all distraction. It's all distraction from the fact that legacy financial world is burning down. It just has a lot of fuel to burn through before it starts to ash over. Once it starts to ash over, that's pretty much, we've. I don't think we've got any more firewood to throw on this own bitch. That's what I'm saying. So look to see when the fire starts ashing over, and I think we're going to see it pretty soon. I also think we're going to see the BlackRock spot Bitcoin ETF come out before Christmas. So you can hold me to that one. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Either way, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.